encourage you to go back and read all, all 10 of these wonderful words, commands, and ways to live. But this week we are focusing on the ninth commandment. Simple, simple. Do not lie. Amen. Don't lie. Don't live in lies. Live in light of the truth of God, the promises of God. Live in God. Live in the truth with one another. Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't live in lies. Live in truth instead. Be free. Not enslaved by what is not true, but free in the truth of God for you in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't lie. And don't lie to one another. The truth sets you free. And it is for freedom that you have been set free. Freedom in Christ, who is the ultimate truth teller, and the truth that he speaks over you is that if you come to me by faith, not works, simply faith, broken, weak, mustard seed faith, I have for you a truer truth, and that is that you are mine. That's the ninth commandment. And then there's us. So we have a few musical people in here, maybe. A few of you who think you are, at least. <laughs> Let's finish this lyric. All right, this is from y'all's generation. Tell me lies, tell me. Woo, Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Biblical theology. Right there, they're preaching. That's Genesis to Revelation. That's us. Tell me lies. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. But oh, Nope. <laughs> no, 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 not that many no's. A few no's, and then you can't disguise. Oh, how accurate is that wonderful little lyric. Because we know what the ninth commandment says, don't lie, don't bear false witness against your neighbor, and how quick we are to say, I'm not a liar. And on top of that, Pastor Greg, you know that bearing false witness against one's neighbors is clearly the language of the courtroom context. So these aren't sweet little lies. This is a very narrow, you know, judicial meaning to the command. We're fine. And it does seem, and perhaps not more than any other age, and we love to be anachronistic and think our age is the craziest, hardest, most difficult age of all. It's not. Do you have hot water this morning? It's not. But we do live in an age of lies. They're everywhere. An age of lies. I'd love to talk a little bit about some political promises that have been made to me for the last 40 years. But I'm not going to. Instead, I'll talk about the promise of the advertisement that I believed, and I sent in my money, and I stood on the thing, and it shook me around, and I didn't even lose any weight. I don't know if any of you guys have ever done one of those late night, you know, 1999 deals. An age of lies. Or, you know, maybe it's more subtle, a bit more gussied up. More spiritual language, a bit more religious looking. Gossip. Cutting someone down. 
not promoting the well-being of the name of our neighbor. In this sense, I feel like almost the entirety of social media is a cesspool of the promotion of lies. And what do we do? We're so quick to just think, okay, the means justify the ends. They're just sweet little lies, just white lies. It's not a big deal. It's not going to hurt anyone. And that's a lie, isn't it? And if you've ever been hurt by a lie, if you've ever been betrayed, you know that sweet little lies grow into monstrous and destructive untruths. I think what was scary to me as I studied this this week, letting the ninth commandment do its work on my heart, because of course at first you're like, well, I don't bear false witness. I'm not a liar. Those are fighting words. Thank you, Lord. And yet the deeper I went in, it just startled me that, that the older we get, the better we become at telling these lies. Not only to others, but especially to ourselves. Perhaps it's because I still have two little kiddos, but you know, if one of them is saying something that isn't true, it's, it's like all over them. You know? Did you take that candy and eat all that candy from the fall festival last night in one sitting? No, I didn't. Uh, you know, and they're like contorting their body and candy's falling out of their mouth and wrappers are popping out of their jeans. But the older we get, the better we become. Masterful at spinning stories. So good, in fact, that we often come to believe the lies that we tell others and ourselves. And I was just convicted this week. Can we join together as sheep, all of us? I'm just the sheep on a stage in a sport coat. Jesus is the great shepherd. Can he usher us together to the foot of Sinai in fear and trembling and awe at this command? That as I jumped into this this week, it's like, well, I certainly don't want anyone calling me a liar, but I guess I'm not as good of a truth teller as I think I am. I can tell half-truths sometimes to protect myself. I want to protect myself from things that sometimes are too scary to see or people that are too scary to deal with. Sometimes the lie isn't what you say, but it's what you left unsaid. I can embellish or be given to hyperbole to advance myself. I once had a pastor friend of mine when I was younger, about 23 years old, pulled me aside by the collar and he said, you are quite given to exaggeration, aren't you, son? You're a good storyteller, but how good are the stories really if every fish needs to be this big? Jesus, help. And this is to say nothing of the ways that you and I have been hurt by the lies and the false truths of others. The lies and the false truths whispered to us by the devil himself that we've come to believe that are indeed the slavery of Egypt. So who can you trust? And I just want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and you're, you're a Christian, this is a good one. Okay, Lord, where am I putting trust in something that I, I just, I know it cannot satisfy if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I am, first of all, I'm so glad you're here. This is where we wrestle with this stuff. This is the question of the ninth commandment. Who can you trust? Because if you build your own empire, and if you build it well, if you succeed, congratulations. But the things you love most, you cannot preserve forever. There are no U-Hauls being pulled behind hearses. Who can you trust? 
And for those of us who are a family here, Christ Church Santa Fe, the second piece of this question is, are, are we being trustworthy? Are we reflecting the character and the nature of God spoken forth in these 10 words as a gift of relationship to his already rescued people? Are we living and moving and having our being in such a way that it, it speaks the truth of God to the world in the way that we are found trustworthy? Or are we just kind of always trying to get a deal with everybody? Are we a little more concerned with the win than possibly the consequence of having to use somebody just a little bit? Sweet little lies. And yet God made us and saved us and redeemed us by the blood of his one and only son that he might continue to form us into true witnesses, truth-bearing witnesses in this world. To that end, the ninth commandment is a gift to us. This is how you can flourish. This is a healthy society. This is a just community of the people of God, one in which we tell the truth and we don't bear false witness against our neighbors who are made in God's image, who are his and who are beloved. And yet in the same breath we see as we stand before Sinai, you know, God is, God is good, but he's not always safe, Right? He's good and he's faithful, but we stand there as human beings before his power, before the mountain of fire and thunder and trembling, and, and we see that the ninth commandment reveals us. It finds us out. And yet, as I hope we'll see this morning, even as it finds us out, there's so much hope here. There's so much hope in not only who God is, but the gift that God has given and who he is making you and me into. So I want to look at three things this morning about the ninth commandment. The first is this. We, we need the truth. We need the truth. Secondly, lies betray us. We need the truth. Lies betray us. But finally, it's such good news. The truth sets us free. We need the truth. Lies betray us, the truth sets us free. Perhaps you have heard that this evening is All Hallows' Eve. Marks the day before All Saints' Day. Today is also Reformation Day, the day that Martin Luther bravely nailed up his 95 theses because he knew the next day was All Souls' Day and people were going to come in and read this stuff. Well, there's a whole big debate about the history of Halloween. And I'd like to spend the next 30 minutes discussing that. No, I don't, actually. Email me and I will electronic mail you an article and we can have a discussion. I know there's a debate about the origin of this holiday. But I also know that it's not without the reach of God to redeem all things. And so Martin Luther his, himself, in reference to All Hallows' Eve, said it was a night that should be redeemed. In fact, it was a night that powerfully portrayed the power of the gospel. Why? Because Satan has a primary sin, pride. And there is nothing to undo your pride than to stand in the face of the mockery of little children. And so Luther and others after him 
said, yes, wherever there are you know, negative origins to this, let us put them aside. But where we can, let us redeem this evening. And as these kids dress up, let us remember that the gates of hell shall not stand against the church. That's the truth. And yet in our culture, it's either death all the time in a negative sense. And by the way, when it's done, it's done. That's the end. Good luck. Hope you did well. Or there's no death at all. That's too scary. We don't want to look at that. We don't want to think at that. Instead, we have All Hallows' Eve, where we can remind the kingdom of darkness that even the children have the power to ridicule it, for Christ is one. We need the truth. We need to come to holidays and politicians and TV and social media and everything in our life with the truth, the truth of God's word. That's why we need the truth. And in that sense, the truth is to us an anchor. Truth is not relative. You know that. The stove is either hot or it's not. And yet we try to live so many other areas of our life as if this were the case. I'm going to come to the truth buffet and I'll only take the scoops of what looks good to me that day. Little Kung Pao truth, great. Passing on the Mongolian truth. It doesn't work that way. Truth is an anchor. If it's relative, we're in great trouble. In fact, if truth is relative to the subjective individual and their needs or desires or feelings or will, then that statement itself is in trouble. Because to make the truth claim the truth is relative also relativizes that claim. This is the definition of irrationality. If there is truth, it's universal. It's objective. It's true because it's true. And what's better than that for us, it's not just objective, it is personal. The object of truth is the person of God who knows all things and reveals himself to his people. Truth exists in the world, not because it grows on trees, but because God, the person who is himself truth, has ordered the world. You see, to even talk about bearing false witness, or true witness, or courtrooms, or justice, all of these things presuppose that truth itself exists, that it matters, and that it has consequences. On the point of consequences, I was listening to a talk this week. This scholar was talking about the consequences of our belief, what is true, what is false, and he said the following, when it comes to the great injustices and atrocities of history, chattel slavery, oppression, poverty, racism, Jews in the Holocaust, we must understand this. Mass evil exists not because a mass of people want to be cruel. It wasn't because they woke up that morning, you know, the beginning of World War II, just said, yeah, you know, we just really want to be really evil today. No. Mass evil exists not because a people, a mass of people want to be cruel, but because they have all believed a massive lie which then justifies their evil. Our beliefs in what is true or not have great consequences. And this is no more true on Reformation Day when we consider the nature of what God the Father has done for us in Jesus the Son, and now we are connected to that truth by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's not out there on TV and in your Facebook feed. It's the struggle of our own hearts with our self-righteousness to believe the lie on the one hand that I can't be fully known and fully loved 
Because look at me, internal critic, penitente, beating yourself up all the time. Or on the other hand, in our religious pride, thinking, I've got this together and I'm doing pretty well. Two sides of the same lie coin, which gets you nothing more in the machine than a coat full of poison. If we believe that somehow we earn our way to God, that we work our way to God, that he meets us in the middle, that we have to bring him our, our righteousness, our merit, we have to show him, hey, God, we're good enough, we're nice enough, we're accomplished enough, look at what we've done. I know I've told a few sweet little lies, Lord, but you know, at least 87.39% of what I say really isn't in that category. We're in big trouble. We need the truth that God is for us because every lie ever spoken on our lips has already been against Jesus. And because he died for all of that, we are now hidden with Christ in God. There are big consequences to the truth or the falsity that we allow to become belief in our own hearts. We need the truth because it's an anchor and it's also a guide. It's a guide foundational to society and core to its flourishing. I love that in the Old Testament canon law, in the Old Testament courtroom, if I were to bring an accusation against someone, Let's say it was a serious one that carried with it a capital crime. I accuse someone of murder, but I am falsely accusing them. If my testimony is found out to be false, guess what? I now receive the same consequence for that false accusation. This was a way in the Old Testament of incentivizing truth. And it's God's simple way of reminding his people, organized as a community, that we can't lie to each other. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you go and tell everybody you think all the time. Hey, how are you doing today? Horrible, because of you. Hey, what do you think of my outfit? The worst. All right, that's not wise. That doesn't mean, that's not what it means to be a, you know, a, a truth teller in Christ. In fact, some people are very confident in the fact that they don't care what anyone thinks. They're just going to tell you the truth because it's just the truth, man. And actually, they probably struggle with a lot of self-righteousness and anger and foolishness in the doing. But there are others, of course, who are just far too afraid to say what they're really thinking and feeling. So somehow, gathered around the cross, in humility, low, and in the low place, we can speak the truth in love to one another. So the ninth commandment is a guide. It's a guide to all of society, a healthy and a just society. It fulfills what Paul is speaking of in Ephesians chapter 4. He says in verse 12 and 13 that we're to put off our childish ways and become mature that the Spirit is maturing us and growing us so that we might be unified and the saints might be equipped for the work of ministry. And then right after that, he says, and here's the work of ministry. Speak the truth in love. Be a community that is open and honest and real and vulnerable and true because that's what shines forth to Santa Fe, that guess what? God is real. God is real because it is his power through Jesus that frees me to actually be honest about my needs, about my brokenness, about the things that we need to work on together, about those places where we need to seek reconciliation. We need the truth as a guide. And lastly, of course, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. We need the truth Heart deep, because it's just too easy to pay lip service. It's too easy to just be nice. 
There are religions out there where the, the main idol, the main false god of that religion is simply to be nice, to just be a good person and smile and nod. Well, all the while having murderous anger and you know, brokenness and destruction in your heart, but you're nice. We need the truth because it is a matter of the heart that gets to the heart. It allows us to push away all these woes. Is it this? Is it that? Is it the other thing? You know, if a quarterback, does a quarterback sneak? Is that deception? No, it's not. Thanks for asking. Quarterback sneaks are not deception. Deception is intentional and for the purpose of harm. And it's often that we feel those things and ruminate on them, but never say a word. And yet our feeling and ruminating makes us no less culpable to the full weight of the command. And this applies to all the images of God. This is why I love the ninth commandment saying, bear no false witness against your neighbor without qualification. It doesn't say if you like your neighbor. It doesn't say if they're a good neighbor. It doesn't say if they're a neighbor that you have sized up because you're very smart. Okay, I know you went to a lot of school and you've been successful. You know, you're good at things. You're smart at things. You've sized this person up. You've analyzed them sufficiently. You've weighed them on the scales. And let's be honest, they don't really deserve your truth. We need the truth in this way. Receiving it to our own hearts as a gift because then it allows us to give that gift to others. Jesus looked at you and loved you from the foundation of the world. He set his love upon you like in Hosea with Gomer. Oh man, you're awesome. I'm gonna set my love upon you. No, I'm setting my love upon you to make you lovely. In the same way, we are to set truth upon our neighbors. Not because they deserve it, but as a gift of God. And of course, we know the danger here. Truth is hard to gain. Trust is hard to gain. It can be easily lost, can't it? You can have people that you've been friends with for years or relationships that have felt semi-stable for years and one act of the breach of trust, it can all be gone and a long road to rebuilding. So in the same breath that we need the truth, we should also remember that lies do betray us. Like all sin, it will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and demand more than you are prepared to give. Lies betray us. Like all the ten words and the ten commandments, the ninth has a great extension to it, lest we be the ones who, again, minimize it, make it small, and then in that sense feel sufficient in keeping it, and attribute to ourselves righteousness. And I would commend to you the Westminster Larger Catechism, questions 144 and 145, for an extensive treatment on what sins are forbidden in the commandment and what duties are required. But let me hit on a few. Okay, sins forbidden. So that we all know this is a little bit bigger than just, oh, I don't lie very often. Sins forbidden, all prejudicing the truth. All making the truth more about me than about God, which is the very nature of sin. That's the very first sin in the garden. Especially as it pertains to the slander of my neighbor. And this is why just about everybody I know on Facebook should should get off for like three months. I mean, we we just live in this age where, you know, if you used to slander me in my face, we're going to fight, right? And guys fight, and they fight, and then they hug each other, usually. 
Now, man, you can get online. You're behind a screen. You're behind a keyboard. Nobody can see you. Nobody knows you. It's detached. It's Gnostic. It's the soul removed from the body. You can just say whatever you want. You can even say it anonymously if you want. All prejudicing the truth and especially the slander of the name of our good neighbor in public, calling evil what is good, undue silence in a just cause. Come on, Lord. I mean, I'm studying this week and I'm thinking, I know I've done this. I know to protect myself, and I know because of fear, and I know because of insecurity, and I know because I'm a human being and I'm not the Christ, that I have been silent when I should have spoken up. Anyone? Passive? The ninth commandment begs the question, who will speak for the widow and the orphan? Who will speak for the downtrodden and the homeless and the immigrant? Who will speak for the voiceless? Who will give voice to the ones who have no voice? Here's my favorite forbidden sin in the ninth commandment, perhaps the most prevalent in churches beyond slander and gossip, but it puts it in such a unique way, whispering. Whispering. How often do we find ourselves just cutting someone down in our minds? I don't like that person. I don't really like what they said. I don't agree with their point of view. We might even tell someone about it. We might just do a little holy venting in the name of a prayer request. Now, it's not wrong to have confidants in your life that you can tell everything to, but I think in general, I'll speak for myself, I should be a lot more careful with that. Misconstruing intentions, thinking the worst of people, assigning motives, boasting, okay? I have to take a picture of my lunch because the whole world has to see what I ate. I've got people in my life that if they told me, hey, we just got back from a really cool trip to Hawaii. Awesome, let's go to Second Street, sit down, have a cheese pretzel, talk about it, show me some pictures. That feels good. I love you. But as I'm scrolling, you know, in the dark dungeon of my office with old cold coffee and a piece of stale bread, and I see their pictures of them going to Hawaii, I'm like, I hate you now. We're no longer friends. Boasting. What about the duties required? Oh, there are so many, but let me sum it up like this. Preserving and promoting the truth. Preserving the truth in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, in your business life, in your family life, in all things, and the good name of your neighbor. And I love that not, none of the commands of God leave us neutral, right? Well, my neighbor's okay, and I'll be nice to him. No. No. Promote the good name of your neighbor, but you don't know my neighbor. Yeah, but I do know what God's commanded you. And God knows your neighbor. And maybe just maybe he wants to use that to draw your neighbor to himself. Promoting the good name of your neighbor. Finally, the duties required. Study and practice whatever is true, honest, lovely, and good. Wow, this is indeed way bigger than simple lying. And sadly, as we know, not telling the truth, bearing false witness does real damage. Proverbs 25 says, a man who bears false witness is like a sword or a club. 
Our lies have not only done harm to us, they not only find us out, but they do harm to others. And so not only is this bigger than lying, but it's more personal. In my days of studying philosophy, this problem of self-deception was a common one in the literature. Referred to it as a problem of self-reference. Philosophers trying to understand basically why people do this to themselves. Why do we engage in willful self-deception? Well, the Bible has an answer for that. And let me quote here. All the troubles of the world started with a lie. Do you know that? All the troubles of the world started with a lie. Not with murder, not with adultery, not with not honoring the parents, with a lie. In fact, the name of the devil in the Old Testament is Satan. The Hebrew there, Satan, means specifically liar or accuser. All the troubles of the world started with a lie. God said, I loved you. Here's my garden. Be fruitful and multiply. Help each other. It's going to be amazing. The Satan comes in and says, did God really say that? Does he really love you? I mean, if he really, if he really loved you, he wouldn't be holding out on you. And what happens when we lie? Lies perpetuate lies. So the lie that Adam and Eve believed becomes the lie that Adam then tells back to God. The dumbest lie ever told. The woman made me do it. And here's the question, folks. Here's where I think this goes from head to heart to prepare us for the fullness of the good news of the gospel. Here's the question. What are the lies that you are believing about yourself? Are you believing too strongly in your own righteousness? Are you believing that there's no way if you guys really knew who I really was that you could love me or that God could love me? Are there stories and narratives in your life, perhaps from your childhood, perhaps from any sort of challenging or traumatic event that you are believing that aren't the true story that Jesus is not speaking, but singing over you right now, seated at the right hand of God the Father? What lies do we believe about who we really are and why? Why are we so prone to long for the meat pots of Egypt when God isn't standing here to give you rules, rules and tips for your best life, he is by the Spirit giving you himself. The truth is we will be falsely accused and we will believe false accusations. We will even make them. Jesus was falsely accused and we see that so many of his battles with the evil one and the forces of darkness were to get the truth and the light through in a dark and lying world. And so the question becomes, do we know a better truth? Even when your own heart condemns you, yes, but God is bigger than my heart and he knows everything. Jesus says in John 16, in this world you'll have many troubles, you could also translate this concept as there will be many lies, many untruths. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And so in our need for truth, we are not condemned by the fact that lies betray us because the truth sets us free. Caitlin and I are getting ready tomorrow. We're going to go 
see Doug and Lois. We do our once a year pastoral coaching retreat thing with them. So pray for us. And a lot of you guys know Doug and Lois. He used to work here. We will give you, I've already had 10 people say give hugs. So it's basically just going to be one like 45 minute man hug with Doug. All right, and I'll count yours in there. We're really excited to go. It's, you know, it's all these couples getting together that are in ministry. And we just have a place where we can be real and honest with each other. We don't have to hide. We don't have to lie to each other. We don't have to lie to ourselves. We don't have to put on a disguise. No false selves, no masks. And a lot of what happens in those moments is confessing to God and to one another that we need him and we need each other and we need the truth. And in the confessing, in the telling of the truth, there's so much freedom. Man, if you have ever been caught by a lie, you know how debilitating it is. You know the guilt of a stricken conscience. There is so much freedom to be had in confessing to one another in the power of Jesus. Now, now is it therapeutic? Of course it is. Of course, doing this work is good work, but it's not mere therapy. It is not self-help. And again, we return to the objectivity of the one who doesn't speak the truth, but is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. And that's the good news of the gospel. That I don't have to find it in myself to have enough strength and power to be a truth teller and a confessor and do the work. The work is given as a gift and then flows out of me by the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus not only is the truth, but he is the way and the life, which is perhaps why in Isaiah 61, we hear that he came to set the captives free. Jesus reads that scroll, that Torah scroll in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4 and tells all of his hearers, today this has been fulfilled in your presence. You don't need to be prideful. You don't need the pride of sin, try to make your own way, be your own God. You don't need to beat yourself up and exhaust yourself to the weary bone of feeling like you'll never be enough. Because Christ is all the righteousness you'll ever need. And in his righteous death and resurrection, he sets his love upon you and makes you enough. This is why Paul in the book of Romans asked a simple question. Who can bring a charge against God's chosen? The question is no one. No one can. If this is true, if Jesus is the truth, if the truth he declares over you and me that we believe by faith is the truest truth, then no one can bring a charge against us. Not on our best day, not on our worst day. Which makes me love all the more the lyrics to this, one of my favorite hymns. Though the vile accuser roar, the liar, the Satan. Though the vile accuser roar of sins that I have done, I know them well, and thousands more. My God, he knoweth none. God knows none because Jesus always told the truth in always telling the truth, fulfilled the law, in fulfilling the law, became the pure and spotless lamb, in becoming the lamb, laid down his life for the sins of the world, took his life up again, rose from death so that you might actually have his righteousness so that in all of your inability to tell the truth, you always have with you the truth of Christ now and forever. Let's pray. 
Oh, that vile accuser does roar of sins that we have done. Sins that others have done against us. Lies that we believed about ourselves, Lies that have been told to us that are not true by other voices that are not God. Lies that we have told. Some big, some scary, some sweet little lies. But there is no disguise before you, Lord. You see all things. We stand trembling at your mountain. And we are so thankful that at the trembling mountain, you do not consume us. As Lamentation says so well, it is because of your great love, your steadfast love, your covenant love, that we are not consumed. In fact, the opposite happens. We are made whole. Where there are lies, there is now by faith all the truth of Jesus on our behalf. So God the Father, when you see us through your Son, you see us in your Son. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing us to this table. Thank you that this is the table of truth. We come by faith, not our works, not how truthful we've been, but in the perfection of your truth, Jesus, we come to this table to believe that all these promises are ours. So feed us here with your very real spiritual presence as we come by faith. Feed us the truth. Amen.